Hello and welcome to Setting the Scheme. Uh, I'm Ben. I'm Doug. I'm Tristan. And I couldn't hear Elijah. And I'm muted. <laughs> um, well, then that's Elijah. Uh, welcome, everyone. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy whatever it is that you're celebrating right now. Uh, it is a festive time here because it is our annual holiday episode. And we have got a movie that we were talking about that is honestly actually years in the making. Uh, like we have talked about doing this specific movie for years. Um, Three to be exact. Yes. Uh, several years ago, you see, when we were still just some jerks talking about movies, um, we put out a poll on Facebook trying to determine what movie we wanted to watch for our holiday episode this year. that year. We had the Santa Claus is one option. And we had Holiday in Handcuffs as the other, starring, of course, Mario Lopez. Uh, Holiday in Handcuffs won, and we all just basked in the glory that is Mario Lopez for about 40 minutes. So much uh, Mario Lopez. So yeah, yeah. And Mario, uh, I'll say it. You're sexy. Uh, all righty. Uh, but this week, uh, we are finally tackling that other movie, The Santa Claus. So, Doug, tell me. Give me the info. What is the Santa Claus? Okay, friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears, for I have come to inform you of the Santa Claus. Uh, The Santa Claus came out in 1994, uh, directed by John Pasquin, uh, stars Tim Allen, uh, David Krumholtz, Eric Lloyd, Peter Boyle, uh, Mary Groves. uh, I'm trying to find his name because I can never remember his actual name. Uh, Judge Reinhold, uh, Wendy Crewson, uh, who else? Who else? There's one other guy, and Eric Lloyd. It's a bunch of folks, bunch of folks in this movie. Um, if uh, if you grew up around the early 2000s, you saw this movie no less than 12 times each year, either on uh, ABC Family's 25 Days of Christmas or the Disney Channel. Uh, money wise, let me see, let me see. Money wise, this movie was made for a budget of $22 million, and its gross was $145 million. And then ratings-wise, this movie holds a 6.5 out of 10 on IMDb, a 72% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 3 out of 5 from our good friends at Common Sense Media, and a 93% on the Google. Uh, Fellas, I think I know the answer. Wait a second, Doug. uh, Did you say the Google? Yes. Okay. Yes. The Google. Um, uh, gentlemen, I feel like I already know the answer to this question, but uh, everybody seen this movie before? Yep. Yeah, it was a long time ago, though. Actually, yes, I have. Wow. wow. It's been seen the movie, right? Yeah. One of, one of the rare movies where every single one of us has seen this movie before. Um, I, I should also mention that this movie did spawn two sequels. Uh, I've even seen both the sequels. I've also seen both the sequels. I usually watch them all each year around Christmas. Um, but uh, but yeah, uh, fellas, what what what's your experience with this movie? Well, you see, this is a movie that uh, I grew up with. Uh, it's actually the same age as me. It is twenty seven years old. Uh, released in nineteen ninety four, just like me. Uh, so yes, this is a movie that I grew up with. I loved watching it uh, growing up, loved watching it after I grew up, and I still love watching it. It's a fun movie. 
I watched this movie when I was a young, a young lad, and I don't really remember it. All I remember is that Tim Allen is Santa Claus, and he, Santa Claus dies, and he becomes Santa. Dies quite brutally, if I might mm-hmm. add. Yeah, a nice. I think my experience is similar to Tristan's. I have seen all three movies, but you know, I remembered the gist of them. I didn't remember everything. Yeah. Um, I uh, like I said, I pretty much watch all these movies every single year around Christmas. I love these movies. Um, I hate the third one. Let me just go on and put that on the public. I don't record. think anyone actually likes the third one. I have yet to meet a single person who likes the third one. And so if you've never seen the third one, it's a uh, competition because you see Jack Frost, uh, the one that's sniffing at your nose, uh, decides, hmm, I want to be Santa Claus. So he goes and uh, battles or challenges uh, Tim Allen's Santa Claus to a battle royale competition thingy uh, and shenanigans ensue. And he's played by Martin Short, right? He is played by Martin Short, um, which I, I'll just go on and say, I love Martin Short, but I feel like Martin Short picks terrible movies to be in. Um, um, isn't there uh, another movie where there's another holiday being who wants to be Santa? Are you talking about the Grinch? Oh, Grinch. I thought um, you were talking about the Grinch masquerading as old fat boy. You know, <laughs> you know the classic holiday figure. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Uh, Santa Claus is his classic nickname of old fat boy. Good stuff. Big fan. They, big fan. Look, they really make a big um, deal about it in this movie. How fat they make a huge like, deal about his it. His boss this movie. is more concerned with how fat he is rather than rather than anything else. Like, and that is workplace harassment. Let's be clear. Truly, I mean. So okay. It was the 90s. So real- so so real quick so it's um it's funny that you bring up uh nightmare on elm street because uh i recently um, discovered did we not nightmare, we on, elm said nightmare on elm street <laughs> nightmare before christmas um it's funny that you bring that up because uh this past week i heard about a conspiracy theory that a nightmare on a nightmare before christmas is a sequel to how the grinch stole christmas um, basically what happened is the Grinch uh, played Santa for several years. Then he died, decayed, and was resurrected as Jack Skellington. Um, and he basically went through the exact same character arc. So, yeah, fun, fun little story. Interesting. Uh, but uh, Man, you think that's a great conspiracy theory. Well, you just wait. Uh, you just uh, wait, uh, fellas. Fellas, I have uh, I have adopted the moniker of the conspiracy theorist for this episode, and only this episode. Um, and I'm ready to rumble. But we're not quite there yet. Uh, instead, quite. Uh, let's briefly talk about what happens in this movie. I feel like we already kind of did, but yeah. Uh, Tim Allen plays uh, Scott Calvin, uh, who becomes Santa Claus after the previous Santa Claus falls off of Scott Calvin's roof. Um. He, with his son, Charlie, uh, travel around and deliver gifts. Uh, Charlie is the son of uh, a a divorced family, and the mom and her new psychiatrist husband uh, pretty much tell uh, Charlie that Santa's not real, and they all think that Scott Calvin is going crazy and filling Charlie's heads with lies and 
uh, eventually think that they kidnap or that he kidnaps him, and it's a whole mess. But eventually, uh, this giant misunderstanding and lack of trust all gets sorted out, and everyone lives happily ever after. That's a good summary, Ben. Thank you. And you know what? You know what really kickstarts this movie? You know what really makes it a timeless classic? The legal drama that is involved in this in this whole uh, plot, because uh, folks, if if you were unaware. The title, the responsibility, and the just the position of being Santa Claus is based on a legally binding contract, mm-hmm. or so the movie would have us to believe. It claims. Yes, yeah. uh, the Santa Claus um, is spelled with the, an A. Yes, spelled with, with an, an E at the end. Uh, the namesake for this movie is the clause through which one becomes Santa. Um, if a previous Santa Claus is indisposed for some reason and someone reads the card, puts on the jacket, bada bing, bada boom, they are the new Santa, whether they were actually able to read the fine print or not. So my question for you guys, is this a legally binding contract? Before we get started, I want to say that none of us are actually qualified to really answer this question. But none of us have been to law school, but at the same time... We are film critics on a podcast, so I think we are more than qualified to answer. Yeah, this Ben, this has not stopped us before. So yeah, we 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 have to do we have seen we have seen the trial of the Chicago Seven. We know <laughs> what a court of law is. Hey, excuse not me. To look excuse like. me. We have seen Legally Blonde twice. We know exactly how a court of law is supposed to work. I am a movie somehow, reviewer. I, I was everything. not on either of those episodes. Oh, that's your problem. Doug. How did that happen again? Not a clue. How, how, how I, did that happen again? I know everything because I've seen everything. Oh. oh. So, just putting that out there. Are you saying that okay. you've seen people when they're sleeping and when they're awake? You know, that, that, that they've been naughty or good? That is that is included. They'll be good for goodness sake. Wow. Tristan is Santa Claus. Tristan, did you kill a man and uh, strip him of his clothing and assume the moniker of Santa Claus? I I did say Uh, Pierre Noel. Those of you keeping track at home, this is our second Santa Claus conspiracy theory for the podcast today. Yep. Uh, And not the final. No, it's not. Yeah, uh, it's a quit, grand old quit time. Pump, pumping these conspiracy theories up because by the time we get to the, the conspiracy theories, everybody's going to be disappointed because you keep so, pumping them up. So, so this is this is what I want to know, okay? Because I per, I will play the devil's advocate because right. because I do think that from a devil's advocate perspective, we do need to view this as a legally binding contract. Because, you know, aside from the fact that you take the business card of Santa Claus, which has the Santa Claus contract on it, uh, despite the fact that you have to remove that from his dead corpse, um, uh, despite all of that, the contract is clearly stip- is clearly uh, stipulating, like, what happens. Um, but if you and, put on the card, you become of, the Santa. Well, the back of the card says, the back of the card says, if something should happen to me, put on the coat, the reindeer will know what to do. So, I mean, you know, that could be taken as an accepting of any consequences or, uh, or, or side uh, effects thereof, side effects thereof, uh, or contingencies thereof. Um, Could it really, this is, this is where I struggle though, with uh, how, how much of a legally binding contract this is, because if, if, 
viewers will remember uh, in the second film in the Santa Claus verse, uh, the Santa Claus 2, the Mrs. Claus, um, you find out that in addition to the base contract that's on the card, there mm-hmm. is a subcontract in even finer print, yes. which says that, which says that in a manner of speaking, um, if you fail to if you fail to find a wife to assume the moniker and responsibilities of the Mrs. Claus, um, then all uh, then all abilities or position or job are stricken from you. Mm-hmm. So this is my question, okay? So let's say, so let's say you have Santa Claus, right? Santa Claus is just doing his life or doing his thing, you know, delivering presents to all the kids in the world. Um, and one of their dads uh, scares him off the roof, right? Right. Santa Claus falls off the roof, dies. Um, and uh, the the dad who scared Santa Claus goes, retrieves the card from his corpse um, and reads uh, the binding contract, puts on the coat, uh, goes to the sleigh. This is my question. Did Mrs. Claus just like drop dead instantly? Does she cease to exist? Is it like a Thanos, like Mr. Stark? I don't feel so good. Well, um, you see, or, this or is, is my she thing. Given, like some time to leave the premises. Is she given time to gather things and then vacate the premises? So, counter argument: We know that in the Santa Claus Two, that there is a certain time by which Santa Claus has to marry or lose his powers. Therefore, we don't know that the Santa Claus who dies at the beginning of the Santa Claus was Santa Claus for long enough to be married. Uh, my proof for that, when Scott Calvin and Charlie arrive at the North Pole, no one seems particularly upset that Santa Claus is dead. Don't you think that's a little weird? So they weren't upset. It's not that weird because Scott Calvin was the Santa Claus that died. Dang. Ooh. <laughs> so it's and a like father time out. I would like Scott to point Calvin's out. boss Dang it. is making sure that this cycle repeats and the elves Ooh. that are in the background of this movie are also making sure that everything happens correctly. Okay, look, we're going to have to skip things because this is my, this is the whole conspiracy thing. Oh man. Okay. Tristan okay. practice. So, so, so there is a conspiracy theory that the entire reason that uh, the actor who plays Scott Calvin's boss uh, and also plays Father Time in Santa Claus 2 and 3, um, hold on, give me just a second, I'm pulling up who the actor is, uh, a Mr. Peter Boyle. The entire reason that Peter Boyle plays both Scott Calvin's boss <laughs> and Father Time is because Peter Boyle... Uh, has been consistently repeating time to make sure that Scott Calvin becomes the perfect version of Santa Claus. The entire reason why there are all these elves in the background and there are all these just random like uh, coincidences because like because like anytime someone other than an elf or Charlie or Scott's uh, wife and Neil, anytime any of the anyone other than them sees Santa Claus, sees Scott Calvin as Santa Claus, uh, the entire reason that everyone around them are elves is because Father Time has put this whole sort of area on a time loop 
of of one year uh so that every single year if scott calvin has not become the full version of santa claus if he has not fully accepted the moniker and not become like the santa claus he needs to be then father time restarts time all over again makes everyone forget the past year and Mm -hmm. makes scott calvin basically kill himself once again Mm -hmm. um so, so if I understand why, what you're saying, yes, yes, go ahead. The Santa Claus is the Matrix. Um, no, no, I, I, I actually don't get how you got to that. Place. I don't either. <laughs> I don't, I don't see how you got to. Clearly, that place. the Santa Claus is in a futuristic zone where they uh, juice humans. You know, no, I'm, I, it, it is the Matrix simulation where uh, you have this all-powerful being that say is essentially trapping these people in this period of time and things don't go exactly right he's going to hit reset um i get okay i get a little bit better where you're coming from now okay thank you i still would say it's not a fully valid comparison because another another aspect to realize and part of the reason why scott calvin has failed so many times is because he fails to become the father that charlie needs he fails to he fails to really make that connection with his son because if you remember the beginning of the movie, Charlie hates his dad. Charlie can't stand his dad. He's just like, Mom, why did you have to drop me off at my dad's place? Why'd you have to do that? Why'd you have to do me like that, Mom? Uh, Mom, I need you here, son up, son up tomorrow Mom, morning. Pick me up. Pick me pick up me yesterday, up. Mom. Take me from this hellhole so that I may depart myself from this space from, from this, this gremlin from this of a demonic father. realm uh where i currently reside if scott calvin has not fully mended that relationship with his son charlie within the year boom father time resets time if if scott calvin has not fully accepted the moniker of santa claus and said you know what I am Santa Claus. I'm not going to try and dye my hair and make it look brown. I'm not going to try and lose the weight. I'm going to embrace the folds. Father time restarts time. If Scott Calvin has not reconciled somewhat to some level with his ex-wife, Laura and Neil, by the time the year has rolled around, father time resets time. And we have a count. We have a count for how many times this happens. Because, friends, if you look, if you look the first time that Scott Calvin goes to the North Pole, the night of that fateful event where he kills Santa Claus, if you look at that little keypad right there, the elf punches in a code 1293. Now, you might think to yourself, 1293, such a, such a random number. No, no, it's not. Because, friends, you see, what happens is, is that... Scott Calvin has been going through 1,293 cycles of this time loop scenario. Father Time has held up time That's a loose, in this, that's a loose in this world for 1,293 years. That's a guess. That's just a code. Years. No, no. Why would there be such a random number, Tristan? Why? Because, Why would there be such a random because, number? Because the movie was made in, what, 93, 94? 94. 94. 94. 
94. Movies take a year in post-production typically. 1293, my friend. December. No, my friend. No, I say nay. I say I nay, think, I, I tell you. mine makes way more sense. Though. No, no. Honestly, I the more you talk about this, the more I'm buying the Matrix simulation. I because, to believe. Because like in the Matrix, you've got Neo who every time, every time in the Matrix simulation, Neo does eventually face the machines and every single time Neo fails and the simulation gets reset and it follows itself almost exactly how it happens obviously spoilers for the matrix do you see a black leather trench coat in this movie do you do you see a one a singular fiber of leather trench coats here i think not sir what would you do if i said yes then I would say where. I would say show me a screenshot in a time. Hey, we do not know what Santa's coat is made out of. That's all I'm saying. So how do y'all feel about Tim Allen in this movie? <laughs> um, this was Tim Allen's peak. And so this was the first film that Tim Allen ever started. Not not I, not this I, movie. I'm saying yeah, the I was gonna say. I don't want to say the Santa Claus was his peak. But no, yeah, no, no, no. Era. I didn't mean that. I just mean that this 90s. era. Yeah. I okay. I actually will say I do think that the Santa Claus is actually his peak performance. I think it's actually his best performance ever. I can't get behind that. <laughs> do you think it's Buzz Lightyear? Oh well, Buzz Lightyear's a good one. <laughs> okay, let's talk live action Tim Allen performances though. Okay. Well, listen, I always think of Home Improvement first and foremost. That was a great show. And um, I know later we're going to talk about the actor that this role was apparently written for. I won't spoil it yet. But um, I didn't know that this role was written for that actor until you guys told me before we started recording. I watched this uh, thinking, okay, this could have been written for Tim Allen, especially because it's a pretty short jump from, oh, oh. Two. Yeah, I mean, this very much feels like a Tim Allen role, if that makes sense. Like, kind of begrudgingly accepting that he has to do this thing after being like, oh, no, that's silly. It it just feels very Tim Allen-esque. And a lot of the humor in this movie feels like home improvement. Like when he sets the turkey on fire and he sprays the heck out of it with that fire extinguisher or when he's doing Santa for the first time and he's like throwing toys around and knocking things over in the house. Um, all of that felt like Tim the Tool Man Taylor. From I personally love the scene where he threatens to break a little girl's toys. Yes. I really wanted so, Richard Carden to lean in and just be like, I don't think so, Tim. Exactly. <laughs> so um, I, uh, I, think- I would just... I would, I would like to retract my statement in which I said that I think this is Tim Allen's best performance because I completely forgot about Galaxy Quest. Galaxy which is Quest. Yeah, there's also that. 20, which is one of my top 20 favorite movies of all time. Um, and I adore him in Galaxy Quest, so I'm going to retract my, my former statement. Um, yeah. We even get a couple <laughs> moments in this movie. We get, we get like one or two of them. Does he actually do it? Because I feel like I was watching for He it does it very stuff. subtly. Very subtly. Yeah, I mean, it's not like Home Improvement where he just goes... <laughs> okay, guys. I want you to think about popular actors. Like, think about Leo DiCaprio. Yeah. Think about Brad Pitt. 
Think about yeah. people who are just have like a portfolio that is massive. Okay. Okay. Tim Allen. Think about Tim Allen. Okay. How many movies has Tim Allen been in that you can think of that are good films that you would say, this is a good film. Five. Because I'm thinking probably three or four. And I've got five then, off the top of my head. Um, well, I think most six, of them are Toy six. Story. I'd say yeah, half of them are Toy Story. Well, let's let's put Toy Story. Let's. I'm talking live action. I mean, Toy okay, Story is like. Three. Yeah. I can't think of that many, honestly. And I like Tim Allen, but I can't. And think so of I've got. My point is, is that he's like, and he's in, he's in his shows. He's in Last Man Standing, and he was in Home Improvement. And these shows are massive, especially Home Improvement. And he's just, he's a household name because of these performances that have done really well and have stuck with people for so long and even millennials for nostalgia's sake, you know, but also he's, he's in some good movies in the 90s too. Um, he just has not done a ton of stuff. He's done some things very consistently and he, he's been in some decent to bad movies. <laughs> So, I, I mean, I was just looking at his film list because I was really curious because I was trying to think, what all has he been in, you know? And it's, hmm. it's, not, a, it's not like a massive long list. It's, it's um, not short, but, you know, it's just an in- interesting wow. thought I had. And so I think I, a I, lot um, of it is that he tends to play a, a similar character in a lot of the stuff that he does. Is he one of those actors that just kind of plays himself? I think he is. Yeah. At I, least in live action. I would say that I think it's really interesting to look at Tim Allen's filmography um, from if you go from the Santa Claus where he basically plays himself. I mean, he plays the exact same character that he plays on Home Improvement, basically. And you go from Home Improvement to the Santa Claus to Toy Story where it's his first time where like he's not playing himself. I think we can all agree that him as Buzz Lightyear is like acting, acting. Like it is a full performance. And you go from Buzz Lightyear in Toy Story 1 to Buzz Lightyear in Toy Story 2. And then I think when you get to Galaxy Quest, I think it's a really interesting time for, for Tim Allen because I think it's a very sentimental role. And I think it, I think part of his arc is playing a version of himself at the beginning of Galaxy Quest. And by the end, I think he's become this whole fleshed out character that's completely opposite of that. Yeah. So, so I would say, I would say the first Santa Claus is the closest to just Tim being Tim. I think after that, I think after that, he certainly does a lot of performances that are based on him in real life. But I think you see a bigger character than you do than you do um, just Tim Allen being Tim Allen. Yeah, I mean, he's a comedian who started off doing stand-up and got a role on Home Improvement, uh-huh. blew up massively, was super, super popular, uh-huh. and just landed him all these roles after that. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he pretty much arguably just coasted off the success of home improvement for you know almost his entire career until it teetered towards like the late 2000s and then he started in last man standing which has also been pretty hugely successful 
Which again, though, is just Tim playing Tim. Exactly. He's yeah. just played himself. Yeah. 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 It's really interesting. Um, and I think especially in this film, given who the part was initially written for, because uh, as Elijah alluded to earlier, uh, this part was not written for Tim Allen. It was written for Bill Murray. And personally, I would be very interested to see what Bill Murray would do in this role. Yeah, um, you can kind of see, you can kind of see where where it's going. Like you can kind of key into a little bit of it. I think I think we would see a Bill Murray similar to how he was in Groundhog Day. Yeah, at least at the beginning of that yeah. movie. Which, I mean, and I love Bill Murray when I say this, but Bill Murray at the beginning of Groundhog Day is very much so just like Bill Murray being Bill Murray. Yeah. <laughs> now. Yeah. I um to my shame still haven't seen Groundhog Day, but um if that if that the plot of that movie is what I think it is, did Father Time get a hold of that one too? Is that the reason <laughs> that uh, is that Bill the reason they wanted busy. Bill Murray for this? Because they so what you're saying, Elijah, before? is also I just want I just want to point this out. Um, there's someone who has uh, made a guess as to. Um, how long Bill Murray's character is in Groundhog Day, and it's somewhere around twelve thousand years. Right on. <laughs> it's somewhere around there. So you know, I'm just saying twelve ninety three, twelve thousand, adding a zero. You know, it's pretty, it's pretty close. Pretty close. All I'm saying. All I'm saying. Um, yeah. Well, and no, but I do. I I think it's really interesting. Uh, hearing that Bill Murray was the first choice for this movie because you can definitely see where they're going with it mm. like you can see it but i think bill murray and tim allen are like fairly similar as far as like archetypes that they play yeah i agree with that yeah i i think you know bill murray just kind of i said this before the podcast he just kind of does what he wants so i guess he just read this and was like this is it for me i don't know yeah uh from what i could tell he uh read the script and said i don't think this suits my style of comedy and they ended up casting tim allen instead yeah but i mean i i feel like i've seen bill murray in other films that are similar to this style of comedy you know yeah so Which, maybe bill murray just didn't want to do it and that's fine i mean that's entirely possible he may not have wanted to be Santa Claus. You know, Maybe it's, he it's, thought that would be one of those that defines his character. I don't know. It's. it's I mean, he's already been Scrooge, so. It's also interesting because um, uh, when uh, when they originally cast Galaxy Quest, um, Tim Allen was by far not their first pick for for that role of. Uh, of uh, Jason Nesbitt. So. Yeah. yeah. I, I hate to say that. I feel like Tim Allen, if the role is not specifically like, just be Tim Allen, I feel like he's often like the second or third choice. But I do mm-hmm. think he's a phenomenal, I think he's a really good actor. I think he's a- Yeah, really, I mean, he really was good in that movie. Performer. The only other movie I can think of offhand that I've seen him in is for Richard for Poor um, with Kirstie Alley. And he was funny in that movie, but I definitely think uh, Home Improvement is is the actual peak. Like that's where you mm-hmm. go if you want to laugh at Tim Allen. 
Yeah. So the other movie that came to mind for me was actually another movie we've talked about on the podcast, Christmas with the Cranks. Mm. Where yeah, he that's a bad plays memory. Tim Allen. That's that's a bad memory. That's a bad <laughs> another fun time talking, talking about Christmas themed uh, conspiracy theories. Why'd you have to bring that one up? I mean, there there are there are <clears> lots of Tim Allen. That's that's one of the Tim Allen movies that I think most people would say that's either bad or it's just not good. No, it's not no, a good one. They would say it's bad. They would say it's an insult to cinema. <laughs> they would say it's something which craps on your uh, on your imagination, on your I dreams. Mean, on let your me tell you, humanity, on your uh, hope right. for a brighter tomorrow. They would say it is disgusting. They would say it should burn in hell for all of eternity. Um, wow! <laughs> right, right now, I'm looking at I'm looking at Tim Allen's movies. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm looking at. Christmas with the Cranks came out in 2004. Since then, he did the Santa Claus 3 that same year. He has done several Toy Story films. He did Zoom. Oh, you guys remember, remember Zoom? Oh, yeah. Oh, I do remember yeah. the superhero one. The Wild Hogs. Movie that had a huge promotional tie-in with Wendy's. Yep. He did Wild Hogs. And he's done a couple of other films other than Toy Story stuff. That's since 2004. Yeah. I mean... I mean, I feel like his, like, main era was the 90s and the early 2000s, and kind of since... He was on Last Man Standing as well. Yeah, I mean, since it's been, like, stuff that hasn't been quite as good, or, like, he's had a lot of time taking up with Last Man Standing. He's not doing, like, big stuff, like the Santa Claus anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So moving into the characters of this film, um, the movie pretty much uh, centers on Charlie and his two parents who are divorced. Um, and honestly, I think all of the parents in this movie, uh, Neil included, are kind of horrible people. No, they're not kind of horrible. They're definitely horrible. Like, I like, and I, I, I think you can make that. a case for the mom. I don't think it's think a particularly can, good one. I think but... you can make a case for the mom in the sense that she's genuinely trying to do what's best for, yeah, 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 for yeah. Charlie. But I think, by and large, the minute you see Scott and Neil on screen, it is clear this is a battle between the two of them. Right. They and are, uh, I, I do take a bit of an issue Charlie. with that because the mom is just kind of written to just be there. Like, she doesn't really do anything except for say, well, you can't be with your dad. And at the end, she's like, you can be with your dad. That's all she does. Yeah. And I'll be I'll be honest with you. She doesn't really get better in the sequel. No, she doesn't. And you've got like, Scott and Neil who are just, I mean, like you said, just trying to have Charlie instead of trying to have like an actual adult relationship and not be horrible people. And and I want to say this, this is nothing against the actress who portrays Laura. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Not. This is nothing against her, but um but like let's let's be real. You put Judge Reinhold and Tim Allen in our room together, they're the ones who you're focusing on. Mm-hmm. They're they are the two that you are obviously going to focus on because they are both really good at playing uh, jerks to one another. 
Also, I'm just going to throw this one out there. Charlie is annoying as crap in here. Like, oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, he, he is a kid, and he's a very energetic, and he's going to say what very, he's going to say. Very, No very filter energetic. at all. And I think he's legit like six when this movie was being made. I think the actor himself was like six when this movie was being made. So, like, props to him. Props to Eric Lloyd. Let me double check. Okay, scrap that. He was eight. Um uh, but I mean, you know, props to props to Eric Lloyd for for doing what he did. But I I just gotta say, like, he's so annoying. Yeah. He does get better, but he is so annoying in this movie. I mean, I, I think he's written that way. Yeah. I this is this is an interesting topic to to bring up because I mentioned it to Ben before we started recording. I feel like this movie was kind of written as like a sort of national lampoons christmas vacation of our of like the 90s um because i feel like you know when i was a kid i definitely enjoyed this movie but this movie i feel like is much more aimed towards an adult or young adult audience than it is for kids i mean there are there are adult jokes in it yeah I don't know. It seems to me it's one of those things that appeals to both audiences pretty well. Yeah. I mean, even Toy Story as well. We were talking about that has adult jokes, especially the first one. Yeah, but I think even beyond like the adult jokes, I feel like this movie has got really good pace to it in terms of the pace of the jokes that you get because Tim Allen has some fantastic one-liners in this that you do not get if you're a kid. You just don't you just don't pick up on them. And mm-hmm. I feel like as you get older, like you start to see that power dynamic between him and Neil a lot more. You start to, you start to catch all these one-liners that he has that come like back to back to back. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's a movie where I think it's made to be enjoyed by both audiences, but mm-hmm. you, I mean, you're going to, you're going to catch more as an adult. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. It's a family movie that adults can really enjoy, which is not always that common, especially when, you know, it's like you're, it's like kids want to go see Frozen. Adults don't really care about Frozen. You know, there's not really anything in it for them. But kids also want to go see Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. Mm-hmm. And adults are like, yeah, whatever. But they go watch it. And they're like, oh, I get that. That's funny. They made a movie that has adult things in it. Yeah. And so, and I would say, like, this is a good model for, like, if you are making a, a kids movie, like, this is how you should do it. Like, there's not, you're not just catering it towards the kids. You're also making a genuinely good movie. Yeah, yeah. There's something I, in there for everyone. I, and I don't think that the same can be said for for the sequels because two, it, two's got a couple little like adult bits in it. Like, especially when you see Scott dating. Like, there's a couple things in there that, like, work for adults, but it's much more of a kid's movie. And then three is straight up a kid's movie. And I honestly think that that's part of the reason why three is so maligned Mm -hmm. and is so, so poorly received is because it is full on kids movie. Yeah, I mean, it didn't grow up with its audience. Like, yeah, two tries to grow up with its audience. It looks at an older Charlie and it, it tries to have grown up with its audience 
Mm-hmm. But three just completely throws that concept out the windows. Like, yeah. But we're going to be silly and over the top and only cater to the kids with this one. Yeah. Well, I'm surprised with how much everybody seems to like this movie. And I'm going to be the jerk and just say, in some ways, this is not a great movie. <laughs> okay. In some ways, the whole movie is kind of like, this was a dumb concept. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, not a whole lot happens. I get what you're saying. I mean, to me, it's the whole idea is what happens towards the beginning. Santa Claus dies. Scott Calvin puts on the coat. That's the plot of the film. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the movie is be, be Santa Claus. That's the whole movie. And throughout it, you, you know, you've got like he's struggling to become Santa Claus. That's really what the movie, I guess, is about. But I could I could see why that's you know boring or unnecessary. It just feels like we're just dragging out the inevitable. Is that what you mean? I don't mean to jump in and just talk for you, but yeah, I, I think that that's way. part of it. For, for me, the worst part of this movie happened somewhere around the awesome action montage when he suits up as Santa Claus the second time around, and the deployment of ELFS those annoying children actors um those are the moments in this movie that make me go hmm wait actually (laughs) you know because at the beginning i'm going oh yeah the santa claus this is a good movie i forgot how good it is and then there are parts where i'm like no i mean this is kind of a bad movie actually (laughs) here's where i'm at a person could go if you brought this up in conversation somebody might go ah santa claus great movie um or if you brought this up in conversation, somebody might go, that movie sucks. It's so bad. And I feel like I agree with both of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I can give you that. Um, I think a lot of my enjoyment of this film is just kind of coming from a place like I've always enjoyed this film and maybe rooted. I mean, I mean, I'll be honest, it is rooted in nostalgia and it's I mean, it is still something that I enjoy watching. Um, it's not something. I can understand why people don't like it, but personally, I do. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I would say it's almost, it is almost a movie that I could turn my brain off and watch and enjoy. The reason that keeps it from becoming that is all of the weight jokes constantly mm-hmm. about this, like they cannot let it down. Everyone's like, oh, you're so fat. It's like, I don't know. Like, I, I guess it just bothers me. Yeah, no, I get that. We don't we don't do that anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I think this sets up well for kind of the last thing we want to talk about. And what makes a good Christmas movie a good Christmas movie? We wrote what is the perfect Christmas movie. I kind of want to expand on that. Like, what makes a good Christmas movie? So so I'll I'll go first in talking about this because my favorite Christmas movie. It's a it's one that not a lot of people talk about, and if you look on the ratings or you look on Rotten Tomatoes or anything like that, you're you're not gonna see a score that reflects this. But I really do think it's it's the best Christmas movie I've ever seen, um, and it's a movie that came out I believe in two thousand, uh, stars Nicolas Cage. It's called The Family Man, and the whole movie is based on this idea that. If you change one thing in your life, 
it's a it's a little pseudo like it's a wonderful life a little bit like it's a wonderful life but if you change one part of your life like how different would your life be and it follows the story of ten, of nick uh of nick cage's um character who's this very successful entrepreneur on wall street and uh all of a sudden one one christmas he gets a note from a from my ex-girlfriend a long long time ago and he uh and he meets this guy on the street who like holds him up at gunpoint and the guy says if you could change one thing in your life what would you change uh and nick cage says you know i would marry this girl and so all of a sudden it all of a sudden the rest of the movie happens where what nick cage's life would look like if he had married this girl like um and he lives in this sort of like parallel dimension for like a year for like a year um of simulated time um and he says like what it would be like if he married this girl and not a lot of the movie actually takes place around christmas but i think it touches on the aspects of family and community and um like love that so many christmas movies will sprinkle in as like a little taste like i think of like national lampoon's christmas vacation which is a great movie it's a great christmas movie it's a great comedy but like when you think about it you don't really get like the warm fuzzies or anything like that um you don't you don't really get that much of it it's more of an afterthought of like yeah this is a family they all love each other yeah 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 uh family man i feel like is a movie that really understands like what the best and worst sides of christmas bring out in people and mm-hmm. it analyzes like what it can do to a person and i think that's why it's the best christmas movie okay that was way longer spiel than i meant to go yeah. on uh, i think um, you bring up some really good points though about like uh the family and like the love and all that that goes into it and uh what i'm actually going to talk about isn't actually a movie it's actually a christmas episode of a tv show uh it's actually the hey arnold christmas special um i don't know if you've seen it um but essentially the boarding house that arnold and all the other folks live in uh, they do a secret Santa and Arnold uh, receives Mr. Wynn, who is a Vietnamese immigrant who came over to the United States um, in a period following the Vietnam War. During the war, however, he had given his daughter up to be taken out of the country for her safety. Um, and it kind of goes through the story of Arnold tracking down her, like his daughter and reuniting them. And it's just such a beautiful example of of that same love and family that you were talking about and so yeah that i mean for me that i think that is definitely like what you look for in a christmas movie very nice how about you too elijah self-aware humor okay (laughs) i gotta get through this christmas movie (laughs) that's the best christmas movie (laughs) yeah i i think for me it's probably not even a christmas movie necessarily um i guess it could be i think it's planes trains and automobiles okay that's a thanksgiving movie i mean it's a a holiday film 
um yeah it thinks it is thanksgiving but i think it all kind of i think in in broad terms it all is about coming together as family mm-hmm. and loving each other and uh the reason i say that is because uh you have an executive who is busy and away and does not make time really and uh tries to but he's angry he's hot-headed um everything bad happens to him that could possibly happen basically um within the realm of well within the realm of comedy i guess um and he meets this guy who has already had one of the worst things ever happen to him you don't even know it until halfway through the film um and he uh and he just basically he really doesn't like this guy you know and throughout the film he he grows to like him and maybe really the second half of the movie towards the end he actually grows to like him and it's because he realizes what this guy's been through and uh i think i think it's just coming to an understanding and a love for other people and the fact that at the end of the movie he welcomes him in to his family to like have dinner you know and be with them and i think that is you know even though all all of these all these things that he's done to john candy throughout the movie and rude things he said and all kinds of stuff um at the end he he shows humility and he's like i'm you know i was wrong basically so that's what i like all right well cool well yeah take all those different things doug you're muted uh you take all those different things you throw them into a blender you mix it all together and you've got one perfect christmas movie and it's not the one we just watched um actually i think that die hard is the perfect christmas movie oh cool uh anyway uh i think it's time we score this sucker all right doug why don't you get us started um yeah uh i'm gonna give this movie an 80 um i think it's a really great movie uh i i can quote about half of this movie just from memory um love judge reinhold love tim allen um yeah, it's it's a it's a classic. I watch it every year. Um, yeah, all right, good deal. Uh, kind of following up on that, uh, I'm actually gonna go a little bit lower. Uh, I think this movie drags in the middle. Um, it did for me when I was growing up, and it did tonight too. Uh, so I'm gonna give this a 75. I still really love this movie. Um, I think there are definitely some outdated things that happen in it, uh, like Tristan mentioned with uh, the fat jokes and. It's just not something that really has a place in media uh, that was accepted back then and is not something that is super great now. Um, I think... It was never great. Well, yeah. It was accepted, though. Yeah. Um, but I still find a lot of enjoyment in this movie. I, It holds, I would say, some nostalgia or a nostalgic piece of my heart. So, yeah, 75. I'm in a similar place, Ben. Um, I do not watch this movie every year. It's been several years since I've seen it. Mm -hmm. And I watched it today and I did chuckle. I laughed out loud a couple of times. Um, It's pretty good, but I don't think it's watch it every single year. Good. Um, 
I'm going to give it a 73. Sure. This movie, I think I could watch it every year. Um, I seem to remember, like, now that I'm thinking about it, I probably have, I probably saw this movie a couple of years ago. I just don't remember it. I just didn't remember really. But, you know, like I said before, it's one of those movies I can just enjoy it. Except for the fat stuff, it bothers me. But otherwise, I think I can just enjoy it. So I'm going to give this movie an 81. All right. Well, after plugging that into our patented scoreometer, I give this a final score of 77.25. So this is a pretty solid movie. Um, but next week, we are, are once again watching a sci fi oh epic. Gosh. Oh my um, gosh. We I'm are watching. I'm going to go on and say, I'm going to be off next week. I refuse to watch this movie on principle. What? Okay. Why? I, I refuse. Why? I, I everything I've seen about this movie, I've hated. Everything I've seen about this movie, I hate. Dude, I that hate. means you gotta watch it. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. And so we have watched a um, film by this director before, uh, director Luke Besson. Um, we previously watched The Fifth Element, and now we will be watching his 2017 movie, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Yep. Uh, I remember watching the trailer for this a couple months ago. I was like, that looks interesting. And I posted in the group and said, we should watch this. And then Tristan said, yeah, I think I suggested that. We should do it. So now we're doing it. Yeah, uh, suggested quote, it a few years to back. Quote, <laughs> to quote an old line from the Looney Tunes. <clears throat> Let me see if I can get this right. You'll be sorry. All right. Well, I'm excited. Um, Guys, it's not good. I can't imagine it will be, but uh, at least conceptually, oh. it looks interesting. So I'm curious to see how it goes. It's it's uh, unbelievably not good. It well, we'll find out. Oh, hey, it's got fellas. a 6.5 out of 10 on IMDb. It can't be that bad. And, oh, and fellas, yeah. that will be our first review of 2022. Oh, man. Starting with a banger. Oh, boy. Uh, but yeah, be sure to join us next week for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and also keep up with all the other cool stuff we do on, to, or on our social media. Uh, at Vider Media, in, we've got new episodes of Setting the Skeen every Wednesday and new episodes of Tea with Doug G every Monday night at 9. Uh, it's a lot. Not but week. not this week. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, just come enjoy all of our stuff because uh, we love you guys and we hope that you guys love us. We hope that you all have a holiday season. And for all of us here, I'm Ben. I'm Doug. I'm Tristan. I'm Elijah. And this has been Setting the Skein. You all have a great holiday season. Bye. And a happy new year. That too. <laughs> <laughs>